Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career and life forward. My guest today, Dawn Burke, is an expert HR leader, trainer, speaker, and writer specializing in the talent acquisition, engagement, and workplace culture space. And her career spanned the last 20 years, including serving as the executive people leader for award-winning companies. And she's currently a senior consultant at Recruiting Toolbox and founder of Dawn Burke HR. And at Recruiting Toolbox, Dawn with her colleagues focus 100% on helping companies recruit better, something everyone can do, and helping clients like Columbia Sportswear, Disney, and Amazon, to name a few, raise their bar on talent and recruiting effectiveness and their capabilities, strategies, and just overall how to communicate and streamline the process. And she's recognized as a top HR innovator and highly sought after speaker with appearances at Talent Connect in Dallas that I was at and walked out of, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) SHRM Talent, SHRM National, Disrupt HR, amongst others. Uh, She's awesome. And when she's not leading HR and TA, she spends her time glued to her TV. She's a self admitted TV addict, and I want to hear what shows she's watching right now. And she knows most of the lyrics to Hamilton. I don't know if you caught the, the uh, uh, John Krasinski thing that he did. Yes. Uh, oh, my God. That in a little bit. She loves to cry at movies. She loves <laughs> to drink wine, and she feels <laughs> a wheel of brie and milk does make a well-balanced dinner, and he, she sings in her car daily, and yep, her yep, husband yep. and her cat are her yin and yang. Did I cover mm. everything there? Yeah. I mean, brilliant. Almost. I mean, it was almost awesome. like you were, re- it was almost like you were reading a bio. Awesome. I know it's great. Fantastic. And Dawn Burke, let's do this. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Oh my gosh. It's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this so much. I mean, anything called the podcast. I mean, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So for my folks, for my audience out there who may not know you, hopefully they certainly will after this, but why don't you help bring everyone up to speed and kind of tell us how we got from where you were to where we are today. Yeah, sure. So the 90-second overview is uh, 20 years in HR roles. Before that, of course, I started in retail. And before that, I was a a theater major slash actor. Um, I decided I liked the idea of paying my rent. Uh, So I I got out of acting and then started a business career. So 20 years in successive HR roles, ended my HR career as VP of People for a tech company. Um, From there, I uh, got a divorce from corporate HR uh, and uh, am doing all the things you said, uh, recruiting toolbots, teaching people, Dawn Burke HR. I think the through line here, Adam, is that I always uh, try to and have advocated for what I call a new kind of modern HR. So it's really about connection more than compliance. So you're gonna hear that through line today, yes. I love it. And, and I, I didn't know about the acting background, and I think it makes a lot of sense now. So if anybody has had the awesome opportunity to see Dawn Burke on stage at any one of these conferences, and hopefully we'll get back to conferences, physical conferences oh, yeah, in a while, yeah. but Dawn is engaging. Her, her presentation was so funny. Um, so I'll just give everyone a quick little story. So I got first exposed to Dawn um, and at 
uh, at Talent Connect, uh, LinkedIn's big event in Dallas in September. I was excited to see her. I heard a lot of great things and I'm sitting there following along. And I got to admit, I'm addicted to my phone. So I'm kind of checking what else is happening. Not that she was boring me or anything, but mm-hmm. I looked out on my phone mm-hmm. and I see that, <laughs> I, see that mm-hmm. I see that Gary V is live at, you know, broadcasting live from the LinkedIn event he was about to speak at, literally in the room next door. So I um, uh, respectfully, uh, I got up and I went and, you know, that story is out there. So if I, if I didn't attend Dawn's thing, if I, if she didn't bore me to death during her presentation, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. looking at her phone. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but before I walked out, before I walked out, I was so engaged with the approach, the style, the, the humor that you infuse into it. And it hit so many points for me. I'm actually going to go back and find my notes. I have them somewhere. I'll send them to you afterwards of, of that presentation because be awesome. you know, you're really, you really focused on um, you know, how to take talent teams and, and improve engagement with candidates, um, how to communicate better with HR managers, and really be the quarterback of the process. So we're going to get to that, but I really we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how that's all being affected right now. It is the day we're yeah. recording this. Today's the ninth day of April, I think. The days are blending together. Um, so whenever this airs, we're going to look back on it and say <clears throat> how – you know, how do teams, how did everything change in the last few weeks? Oh, well, first of all, it changed uh, immediately. And I think that's been the most jarring uh, part to all of this. Um, I think uh, what I've seen is really two buckets of change as far as talent management. Because again, my specialty is going to be HR and talent acquisition slash recruiting. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the high level is you are just seeing in a instant uh, people's work lives changing. I don't think that's anything new for anybody, but most importantly, uh, people are dealing with being thrust into having a work-life balance if that was even possible. It's it's not really possible. Those are blended now, we know. Um, Oh yeah, it's a harmony, there there is no doubt. Um, But they've had to immediately switch their focus. Uh, no matter what that focus has been, it's a wide range of focuses. And we're going to talk, I want to really talk about what I am seeing yep. that people are, are having to do right now to survive this, or actually I'm going to say thrive in it. Let's silver lining this. Um, but I'm seeing a, a broad breadth of not only did you have to change your locations, not only do you then have to teach your kids, not only then are you dying to find some to- toilet paper, not only are you really, really looking at your stocks or your savings go down and there's some uncertainty, um, but you're also having having to change your skills altogether, focus on new things. So that, there yeah, we go. So, uh, I mean, so let's, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about those buckets here. And, and the first one, um, I, do you have proper titles for each one of these buckets? No. <laughs> okay. So we'll talk about the first bucket, which is, I kind of call it like the new way, right? The new way right now is changing is getting out of your comfort zone too. So I think it's very important to talk about talent and HR working in a remote uh, workspace where you're not able to easily communicate. You're changing your communication from when in, in, a few weeks ago, walking over to a colleague's desk to now everything's remote, digital, phone calls, emails, texts, yeah. and there's a time gap, right? So how do you manage the internal time gap, and how do you manage? How does that you know translate to candidates? Um, so I, I got to get some clarifying uh, a question for you here. When you say time gap, what does that mean to you? Uh, the communicate the the time in communication internally and externally. Got you. Uh, as opposed to just hey, I can walk over to you. Adam, right. And give like you hey, Dawn, what's going on with that candidate? Did you hear from that manager yet? What's the feedback on the interview? Now right. things are taking longer. Scheduling. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, um, I did write a, a article because about three years ago, I had to make the transition to a, an office uh, at home. Um, so I'm going to send that to you. Maybe that'll be something you'd want to share. Because sure. Give some great tips on what I had to do, not only physically, but also emotionally. So let's, let's do that. The first thing I have to say to everybody is do not think that you are going to, in 24 hours or 48 hours, get it all right. You simply will not. You cannot give yourself that pressure that tomorrow you're going to have these tools mastered and you're going to engage in, in, in a, in a, in a real-time way like you used to. Um, once you get through the change of learning the platforms, you then are going to um, have to really then focus on this creating this difference in this time gap. Um, so uh, what I'm going to say is this. Uh, we are seeing the HR pros, when you talk about buckets, let me tell you about this first bucket. I am seeing HR pros fall into um, a bucket of typically their workloads are tripling. Typically, we're seeing this tripling. So the first bucket, though, is going to be how do you break down all of this new work that you're required to right. do? Um, the first thing you have to do that they're, they're looking at is you have to get into crisis management. Right. You have to get into crisis management. So how do you get that gap closed? Well, first you got to be transparent with everybody about what's going on. You have to do something that is going to be a lot more, um, uh, hey, I'm going to follow my sword, people. We are all getting through this together. If it takes a while for us to really get the flow of things, that's okay. But we have a higher purpose right now, and that's to figure out how do we get through crisis mode as far as the communication trans all, trans uh, all, position all together. Is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. transparency. I mean, I think it's transparency more than ever. I mean, listen, we always preach transparency, but now more than ever. And I think it comes down to managing expectations. I mean, my golden rule is managing expectations on both sides, you know, talking to candidates about timing, letting them understand that, like, hey, listen, like we're waiting on this. I need you to be patient. And, I mean, it, it kind of goes up to that higher level of patience and empathy right now. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yep. That, that applies. To I mean, the, the thing that I, I talked yesterday actually with a whole lot of uh, HR pros and some futurists uh, about what the future of HR and work actually more in general work uh, uh, as a whole. And they said right now, there's such a breadth of differences in workloads right now. We have some HR pros who normally your leaders, you're gonna talk about your leaders who now they are in this this mode of high demand. We've been wanting to, and it's such a Adam, it's such a tired argument though, yep. and desire we gotta be at the table and we've got to do all these things. But just like lawyers, and my husband's an attorney, um, you're really a my wife until, is one. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You're ignored and you're made fun of in some regards until something like this happens. And then you're revered, you're needed, you're necessary. So take advantage of this opportunity to show that value. Um, we are also though seeing some HR pros whose jobs really were more tactical. Hey, I just did the onboarding. You know, I Your really benefits, just filled yeah. out the, the paperwork. I have nothing to do. What do I do? Okay, you upskill. All right, that's yes. where you're gonna upscale. Um, what we're seeing in recruiting is a little different, Adam. What we're seeing in recruiting is uh, usually a, a, a downturn in workload. Yep. Why is that? 100%. Pretty intuitive. Hiring freezes are happening. Right. Uh, right now, there is not necessarily the need for this active recruiting. However, others' workloads are going up. Why? Because their teams are being downsized. So exactly. they used to have five people, yeah. now they have three. So there yeah. you go. 
It's a tough one. And, and I think that like, I mean, listen, there, I'm going to make a general statement here. There are some companies that are financially in good shape right now during this yes. time. And they understand that they're going to come out of this on the other side and still have clients work manufacturing yes. products to deliver. And they are mindful about that. So they're continuing to, at the very least pipeline, right? Pipeline candidates and have their recruiters deep in relationships and other companies, listen, mm -hmm. financially, whatever their industry is, it's going to come out on the depression side of it. And they're going to have to let people go. And that's just some, the fact of it. That's just the fact of it. So yeah. I think if a company is in a good position right now to double down on that relationship building, that pipelining, and you don't want to be at the starting line when, the, when, the, when, the, when that buzzer goes off that we could get back to life. You want to already have candidates at that final stage, if you can. That's just my, yeah. my take on it. Okay. So let me give you, I'm going to leave you a little twist on that. Um, Absolutely. I do twist it up. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to twist you up, baby. So I do believe that pipelining is something, here's what I would say. Now is the time for any organization, HR or talent acquisition. For years, you've been thinking about what should we look like? What do I wish I was doing better? What do I wish the organization saw more of? This is a great time for you to think through those things. This is a great time to think about when all of this starts to go back up. Have I taken this two, three months to now build the foundation for those, those things to perhaps change because I have a little more leverage? Um, but here's what I'd say with pipelining. I think pipelining, if you say strategically, that's something we must do because we, guess what? When the buzzer does hit, unemployment's going to be high. We're going to have, you know, we might have a better chance of, of getting top candidates. Do that. What I would say, though, before pipelining, if you haven't gotten your process down, you haven't been able to upskill, you don't have the, the ability to be a talent advisor as a recruiter or as a HR pro to say, hey, we got to engage. We got to get our candidate experience training down. We've got to figure out ways that we're going to use remote technology to still engage and have these great engaging cultures you are then i think you're gonna you're gonna have a tough time when it starts back up you've got to focus on those things that are going to help you um again with all those things you've always said damn it i just wish they would listen to me on this okay here's that time. you hit the nail you hit the nail on the head on that i want to pause and just kind of ruminate a little bit because i hear so many people out there on linkedin and elsewhere saying use this time wisely use this time to improve and there's no better time for an organization to say hey listen Right now, we have a, 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 a pause, not by our own doing, on, on process. Mm -hmm. Let's have this pause because it's always not enough time. I want to do that. I want to try that initiative. I want to mm -hmm. reconfigure this. I want to fix a database. I want to you know, outline our candidate experience. Now is the time to do that and yes. reset and refresh. Absolutely, 100% on that. Um, yeah. Absolutely, that's a tremendous point. Now, I want to talk about upskill for a moment here. Great time yeah. for recruiters, whether you're currently working or uh, you're out of work. Um, yeah. Recruiters fall into a rut. I think recruiters are a creature of habit. I know I am. Yeah. Um, I know that there's times when I kind of get into like the the motion and I'm just doing the repetition and I can even Doesn't hear that, myself on calls. There's a point where you just, yeah, even the best of recruiters, you, you just got to break it. Feel. You got to spill. You got I mean, to break it. it. And that's not fair to the candidate. That's not fair to the candidates. So you have to keep it fresh. Uh, I know some recruiters too, like they, they have a threshold of how many calls they could do in a day, right? You get that burnout factor as well. But yeah. let's talk about upskilling. What are some of those pieces that recruiters could really work on right now um, as far as utilizing their time wisely to better themselves? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, the, the big thing you have to do, let's not talk about a competency or a skill. You got to get over this fact that you shouldn't prioritize this and that you have absolutely no time. All right. I'm going to say that with all due respect to all the people out there who don't, they feel they don't have time. And for right. the next few weeks, you probably won't. 
because you're now you're, you're a school bigger. teacher as well and you're going through all this change and you need to focus on that all right after that happens, then it's time for you to really do some self-reflection. And you have to think about those strategic things that you believe are going to impact your organization in a much better way. We just talked about that. Um, so that's where you're going to start your upskill. You know, for me to give you a big breadth of the future of recruiting says by 2022 and we'll 2025, you must <laughs> do this, 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 and this. Um, you need to really think about what are those things I need to upskill in now. I think the most effective things to upskill in is again, becoming these talent advisors, thinking through more than the route uh, questioning, thinking mm -hmm. through more than how do I get this over to the, the hiring manager, but really thinking about uh, 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 looking at these things. How do you embrace more digital ways of communicating? People have, we've needed this for five years. We've needed it for 10. I right. think a lot of pros are halfway there, but are you embracing all of those things that are going to get your top candidates? I do believe this might be a time you do a little bit of research on data analysis. That's All right. Now, thing, yeah. if you are a real, uh, well, first I'd say data analysis, like literal, like in the organization. Yeah, look at your numbers. Yeah. If you are in a huge organization where you have a data analysis team, then maybe not. Um, but you're going to be the ones to probably tell them, well, here are the things that bring the most value as far as these metrics. Also, the data needs to start talking about connection. It, uh, candidates, if you haven't been doing candidate experience surveys, you better do them. Go to Career Crossroads, get all of the information you need. Um, so that's a way to upskill. Um, I don't necessarily think you need a lot of training on um, here are the basic questions, but here's what you probably do need to know. You need to figure out in your organization, what are those hiring competencies? What are those recruiting competencies that not only are matching your, um, our values base, perhaps principles that not only match your corporate culture, but really get all of your hiring managers, all of your interviewers, all of your recruiters aligned with, um, this is how we, this is how we recruit these. This is what we value in this is what we hire for, how we hire and who we hire for. Because we all know the hiring managers usually are different, doing it different from the recruiters, doing it different from the VPs. So uh, that's where I think, think about alignment, think about engagement, think about digital and think about metrics. That's, 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 a, that's important. And, and I had that word alignment in my head right before you said it. And I mm -hmm. think alignment is interesting because I think alignment ensures a, a continuity when it comes from the candidate experience all the way to the hiring managers. You're ensuring mm -hmm. that there's a certain quality and there's a level of, I don't want to use the word competency, but you're ensuring that you're hitting your, that you're giving each candidate a fair shot, right? Oh, that yeah. you're giving them the right experience from an evaluation perspective. So I want to flip the script a little bit and talk yeah. about the candidate experience during this time. Um, and there's two sides of it. One, I, I truly think that candidates it's tough because so many people are out of work that candidates have to be a little bit more patient and empathetic to what we're doing. And yeah. I'm not saying, woe is me. I'm not looking no, for, you no. know, handouts, but understand that we're, we're doing the best we can as recruiters. And we're talking about in-house recruiters. Hopefully yeah. there's still some contingency recruiters out there. I've been on both sides of it. Um, so let's, I, I'd love to hear your perspective on the mindset that candidates should have right now, as far as experience and how companies are pivoting and adjusting to this new world of candidate experience during these times? Yeah, well, I, I, I would say that right now the um, candidates, um, actually, let me put it in a different framing. Some of you right now, HR and TA pros, 
and, and we haven't really talked about the self-exploration as much because I just taught a class on that yesterday about, hey, how do you think about your career, whether you want it to stay in this line or whether you want to move out? So self-exploration, we can maybe talk about in a little bit. But I want to frame this question of what if you're a candidate? What if UTA Pro, what if you uh, HR Pro are a candidate? So through those eyes, what would you feel about a new experience? So yes, I do think there needs to be some grace in, hey, things are might be a little rough shot right now. Um, I do believe that um, there probably has to be um, some uh, self-development as well. Like, hey, um, do I really want to, when the recession ends, but unemployment's high, just throw, take anything, um, take anything, because then you're going to be putting the recruiter in, in a pretty bad spot. It's like, no, uh, we need some specification there. Um, but also when you think about candidate experience, I would say this, I still think it is a recruiter's job right now, whether they're busy or not, to ensure that the candidate experience is still high. Um, you're be. dropping the ball and that's where you go. Candidates shouldn't have a lot of forgiveness on that. Here's what they'll forgive. Hey, I got your resume. Thank you very much. Right now we are going through a transition. We're going to keep you posted along the way. Even if it's an automated email, right. it might be once Just every 30 point. days. Just But we will do a touch point. We're not going to look at everything. We're not going to be hiring. We don't know if we can hire. Or guess what? We might hire you and you'll never see this location before you accept the job. That's actually happening right now. Oh, Where absolutely. People are doing yeah. hiring. They're actually having to hire over Zoom or go through their interview process. They're not um, and, the and they're not going to see the office. Um, yeah. And those are the things you just have to adjust for um, on, on both sides. But I would be remiss to say that um, candidates should be gracious with the candidate experience or touch points going away. Um, I, I would not be. I would not. Hundred percent. And I want to kind of double back to something we talked about earlier. If you're if you're a recruiter that's slow, if you're a recruiter that's out of work right now, maybe do some free career consultation as batting practice. Get some practice talking to friends or family, or put yourself out there on LinkedIn and say, "Hey, I'm a recruiter. I'm a talent professional. I know a lot of people are out of work. I'm happy to offer my time for free." And have you like, let's just do an hour. Let's talk oh, about your career. Yeah. Let's talk about your resume. Oh, wow, that's great. That's, that's going to keep you sharp too. And that's going to add value. That's going to add value to the candidate. That's going to add value, value to yourself. And I highly recommend that in addition to obviously taking care of your own house, your own career and everything. But maybe I, a couple hours it. a week, whatever you have your bandwidth in. Man, I think that's great. Not only is that going to help you, but you're actually showing goodwill. You're doing the right thing in a time where we must start thinking about what the right thing is to do, because then you're going to actually be helping a candidate too. Pro bono. Hey, you know, right now I don't have 100%. this, but let's help each other. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's brilliant. I, I would, and, I think I'd do that for sure. Right. And let's talk about agency recruiters right now for a minute, too, because the, the, the contingency business, um, I mean, I'm generalizing again, because there are still some yeah. industries that are thriving, which is crazy. But there's a lot of recruiters out of work right now, contingency recruiters. And yeah. you have to think about instead of just having that one skill set of putting a warm body in the seat, how do you add value to your current clients, whether it be process, right? Like you're an advisor on process, you know, ATS systems, interview techniques yes. that you could do to add value and and do it for free right now. Do it for free as an added value because you're going to come out of this and there will be hiring. We don't know to what extent. And how do you keep yourself at the top of a client's list? Yes. How do you do that? 
Yes. Well, I, I never worked in a conting, uh, contingency staffing firm. Crazy Here's world. what I would say, though. Top of mind, um, provide resources for free. And it might not be you. It might not be the interviewing mm-hmm. thing, although I love that idea. I never, didn't even think about that. But here's what you're going to say. I'm going to give you guys some resources on how you can transition better. I'm going to give you some resources on what are some of the things that can help you, um, uh, even with communicating with your team members, even if it's not about recruiting, but, but keeping their mental health. Oh, mm-hmm. and by the way, are here were really some cool things you might consider um, to make your hiring practice better, even if you don't hire me, by looking at your career site, understanding your culture. Anything yes. like that will keep you top of mind, and they're going to know you're not just trying to sell me. You're not yeah. trying to take advantage you of me. You want to be a partner. I, I want to partner with you to make, whether you're with me or others, um, valuable and valued. You know what? Right now, oh my God, and, and, and agent, uh, contingent uh, staffing agency people might go, Don, that's the yeah, worst yeah. advice ever. But I think some of it, it might be like, hey, look at the non-sell. Look at the non-sell, which that's then hopefully will sell. That that will make, I'm telling you, when I was a VP of people, I would have hired that person. Um, but you know, let, me, let me pivot a little bit too. I think that um, something I think is hugely important too is um, HRTA, uh, contingency uh, staffing firms. Um, this is a time for you to understand what your your brand is. What do I mean by that? How people perceive you. Yep. Um, we all think, and some of it's just for self-preservation, even if we're crappy at some stuff or have some bad habits, that, that we're still awesome. We work hard. People think we're this. People think we're that. Um, I went through a branding exercise several years ago where I picked trusted people, people who are going to tell me the truth. Tell it how it is. They're going to tell me the truth. Um, and they, you know, and I was a hard worker and all these things, but I wanted to say, what is my brand? How do you perceive me? I heard some really good stuff, some hard stuff, but um, then Radical you can candor. know, how do I then um, fix, if the brand is not good, if it's hurting my career, this is the time for me to, to start focusing on that. And that could be something you upskill as well. It might be something as simple as, communication skills, negotiation yep. skills, even some of those basics that you thought you were just killing. And then people tell you, girl, you're fucking off point on that and, one. And, and, and you hit on something too. I, I think that we always have to kind of go back to the fundamentals too. I mean, I was lucky. I got taught by an amazing uh, old school recruiter who taught me really the art and science of recruiting. And when I talk yeah. about the art of recruiting, it's really understanding because I had the communication pieces, right? But how do you pivot those and use them? How do you, how do you use those skills for recruiting? And we talked about how to understand motivation, how to understand the candidate's motivation through the process. Why are they looking to make a move or why are they not looking yeah. to make a move? Right. And I think that's certainly key. Um, yep. And now is a great time to get back to basics, right? Like, Oh yeah. We, we start bad habits. Um, so we talked a lot about recruiting. We talked a lot about, you know, employee engagement right now. I want to touch on a couple of things that I wanted to talk about before this crisis came up. One of yeah. them is the habit of saying sorry. And you mentioned on, on Women's <sighs> Day, you know, a month back, oh you mentioned God. how, you know, to motivate people, especially women in the workplace, to quit the habit of saying sorry, right? Yeah. And you talk about how people were born with this. And over time, it's like a gratitude thing. And it's like almost like a default where I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, this happened. And A, it loses its effectiveness. And B, it's not appropriate for that situation. Please, I'd love to hear your point of view on this. Oh yeah, well I'll tell you, I still do it. Um, this has been something that I've I've um, struggled with, uh, and it's it's like Pavlov's dog. 
That's why I'm like Pavlov's dog. Um, if I accidentally bump into somebody, you know, sorry. Um, okay, that that seems to make sense. Um, but it's it's even sorry. if I just just brush them a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, I will. Um, like even at home, I accident. You know, I change the channel while my husband's watching something. Oh, sorry. Oh um, no. How you know, dare you? You know, well, accidentally, it's like, oh, sorry. Um, it little little tiny things that um, you know, I can't even explain in every way the minutia that I would automatically say sorry for. So let's talk about that in a business context. I do think that women do it more than men. Actually, I'm going on a limb and say 95% of women do it, or they are going to be the ones that are much higher level of doing it. I, I don't hear men doing that a lot. Um, but I, I do believe that uh, there is that again, nurturing, there are those things that women have where it's going to be a little bit more like participative, let's do these sorts of things. But if you're continually saying you're sorry about things, um, a lot of the times it's simply not true. You should not be sorry for stating an opinion. You should be sorry if you state an opinion in a way that's demeaning, debasing, um, or insulting to the people, but not for having the courage to have an opinion, um, to uh, quit saying you're sorry because you have imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. um, quit saying you're sorry uh, because you have this um, kind of regressive, sub submissive point of view you feel you must have in front of your CEO or people have power. Um, and because I think you hit Lots the nail on the head. It's just not effective. It's not effective. And a lot of them don't even think you should say you're sorry. I mean, it just becomes like me going, yeah. uh, you know, I have those bad habits of, you know, uh, or, uh, uh now that you I'm mentioned, a person. yeah, an uh person, um, um, I, a lot of times will say, blah, 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 blah. But in addition to that, or now that I've said that, let me explain one more thing. It, it just becomes like verbal garbage that is, um, it's not only just yeah. kind of rolls off the tongue, but it's not effective and it puts you in a submissive position. Yeah. Yeah, no. So get, getting, get, getting back to the topic du jour around modern HR versus traditional HR. I mean, it's such a different world that we're living in than we were six weeks ago and the idea of uh, modern HR and, and how much it's evolved in literally a six week period. So what's, what's your current take on, on modern HR? Like, what is it going to look like? What is it going to be? What's, how is it going to live within organizations differently than it did two months ago? Oh yeah. So first of all, my, what I consider modern HR is where we talk more about connection than mm -hmm. being policy police. We then always transactional that, policy police. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now we are have to be the experts on the policy. We do need to be the, at least, you know, we're, we're the, uh, we're the corporate like lawyer and psychologist, mm -hmm. but really you should lean on your lawyers and psych, you know, your psychologist friends to be able to do that policing. That should be a minority of your job, not the majority of your job. Uh, so modern HR is more about connection, engagement, finding places where people should fit, finding people and helping them determine their purposeful work, because we know that in, it, those experiences create retention, which is what you want. Those experiences create a better attraction, which the modern worker will insist upon. So 100%. they just, they insist upon it now. Now, again, we're going to go through a year of people being unemployed and perhaps then again, you yep. can pick and choose, but modern, that's what modern HR is. Um, here's what I'll say. Okay. That's my verbal garbage. Here's what I'll say about uh, what post COVID will be. 
what people are realizing right now is organizations that did not focus on these things, including remote or flexible work. Remote and flexible work is one of the biggest um, attractors of, I'm talking Gen X and millennials, certainly the, yep. I'm sure. Um, they, I worked for an organization and this was a very culture forward organization who um, our CEO as much as he understood about remote work, he, he really refused to have us hire people who would never be in the office for a long time hmm. because he really thought they had to be in that office space. But I'll tell you why I thought it. Uh, it's they optics. Needed to, they needed to see him every day. Because he was it's, it's narcissistic um, I mean, optics. It, it was narcissistic optics. That said, he had we still had a very flexible work organization. I could work from home, coffee shop, and we had all the tools to when he did finally say, "Yeah, let's do remote work." So it turned out well. They were positioned and ready for that flexibility. Organizations now who are struggling are the ones that have you know, they were on the wrong side of history and the wrong side of effectiveness for a modern workforce for a long time, not allowing this flexibility. So what's the future going to be of modern HR? I'm hoping that a lot of people are going to leverage this as an CEOs will go, oh, I actually got a lot of work done in this way. We can do it. We have more options. But here's what modern HR really is. It's not about remote work. It's not about whether or not you can work from the coffee shop. It's not whether or not you have the best data analytics and the best tools to uh, do pulse surveys. It is simply about, do you have an organization that's built on trust? Do you have an organization that is built on trust? Um, And this is some of the things we talked about in my group last night. We can put all of this, um, these little tactical, these little practical tools in place. Uh, as far as what it's about, are, are we at a point now where we are built, building on trust? Are we also building a place where employee wellness and health and well-being is top of mind? A These lot are of core didn't fundamentals. Have, didn't have co- contingency plans for a, a crisis like this. I mean, I never had one when I was in HR. Right. Um, continuity planning, business continuity. Mm-hmm, which is all about wellness. A health, employee experiences, engagement, it all goes from there. Because if you have a trust-based organization, I'll be honest with you, if they don't want you to work remotely, at least they're going to be transparent as why. You're going to trust the reasoning is good. Yeah, some companies want you there. So let's bring it home here. Uh, okay. A series of questions that I'd love to ask every guest on the podcast here. So first and foremost, what does the word authentic, authenticity mean to you, Dawn? Um... <laughs> That's a hard one. Um, That's why uh, I ask it. I know. No one said the show is going to be easy. I know. I know. Um, I, you know, I'll probably say something that a lot of people say. Um, the ability to uh, be your authentic self is to be able to come to you, come to work, holistic body, mind, and spirit. That you can come in and people are going to be open to your ideas. I think authenticity is a lot about ideas more than even like, hey, I have three mm. nose rings. Um, are they going to be open to your ideas? Are they going to respect the differences? Um, and are they going to understand uh, that the authentic- authenticity of the organization of the people that come will actually um, improve engagement, improve results, improve uh, the, the value prop, and actually is going to improve business because yep. if you're authentic, then you're okay with your customers being authentic. Yeah, that's a good one. And what's the greatest mm-hmm. piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day? 
my God, you suck. <laughs> These are hard ones. What? No shit. Say, okay. So what is the greatest is, piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every single day? Um, even if you're hundred percent right, if your delivery is wrong, it doesn't matter. People won't listen. Uh, let me tell you the story. This was long I like ago. that. I had a great mentor and I was a very good worker and I had great ideas. Um, also, when you're in an HR recruiting role, your frustration levels can get very high. Um, when you, uh, uh, actually roll things out and everybody agrees with it, but nobody's held accountable to do it. All right. That, that's typical in, in any organization. So I was getting to a bit, I, I didn't know how frustrated I was with it. So people would come to me for help um, and I would give them all the same stuff and, and they still weren't getting it. And so I started to uh, just really get frustrated. And one day my mentor, who was my boss, pulled me aside and she goes, let's talk a little bit about that interaction that just happened with XYZ. Um, somebody who respects you a lot, but you need to know they came to see me. And I was like, what? And she said, here's the deal. You're 100% right in everything you're saying in this case, 100% right. You're credible, you, dot, dot, dot. She goes, but you know what? You're pissing everybody off. You're pissing everybody off and they're not listening to you. <laughs> I started tearing up. I was like, oh, cause that was not the, the, uh, the, certainly that's not what I wanted. No one but wants to hear is, that shit. And I uh, no, no, but I will tell you that was probably 15 years ago. Um, and I don't always, um, succeed with that advice, but it's something that I think about all, yeah, right. I saw you chest pump there. Um, that's something though that has stuck with me and resonated with me throughout my entire career. Um, you gotta be respectful. You can be forceful, yeah. you can be strong. Um, but uh, here's, I got one more other piece of, of advice. Yeah, sure. The other piece of advice is it's the HR professionals to find ways to say yes. Hmm. You must find ways to say yes. Okay. That doesn't mean you say, um, that's, that's really about saying yes to presenting options. That doesn't mean you say yes all the time, but it means you find ways if somebody has a problem, uh, if somebody has a situation like this, um, so-and-so has done really bad for the last six months, I want to fire them. All right. Have you ever, you know, you go through, have you written them up? Have you this, have you told them that? No, right. no, 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 no. And this is what I would say. I would say, okay, so I'm going to give you my, what my professional advice is. Whoop. All right. But here's the deal. Um, you ultimately are the decision maker in this. I am not, you know, I don't have the power to, to usurp you at this point. So I'm going to give you some options. Um, you can do that option that I just gave you, which I think is the safest one, but here, let me ask you this. What's the risk that if you fire this person, they're going to sue you? 5%. Okay. What's the risk that this is going to uh, hurt morale? 30% because everybody wanted him fired years ago. Um, <laughs> all right. So here's the deal. Here's the risk. Here's the reward. What do you want to do? You can do this, right, wait, this, or this. Lay it out there. That's how you find ways to say yes. You know, I like that's it. how you find like ways it. to say yes. And you put the onus on them. Yeah, and then absolutely. you write your cover your ass letter and stick it in the file. Right. And then you, <laughs> then you run and hide. And, and Dawn, you know, what would, what would you say is your superpower? And we're not talking about being invisible or flying anything, but what's something that you do better than almost anyone on this planet that makes you who you are? I don't know if I do this better than anyone on this planet, but I'm okay to be, I've always been okay to be vulnerable with, with people yeah. who I have at least built some modicum of trust. Um, and it's only going to be a little bit. I believe that sharing my story and my struggles um, or the things that I've learned throughout my management career, my leadership career, my talent acquisition career, my HR career, by saying, I'm okay sharing with you the places that I have felt. I'm okay with sharing you the times where I've succeeded. I'm okay with sharing you the times where I had 
had such low confidence that I felt I was faking it every day. Um, mm. And I got to tell you, if you're vulnerable with people, um, they uh, trust you. And then yeah, they're okay I being vulnerable it. with you. And that's where you can start making good decisions. That's where you can oh, start man. teaching the world. Amen. Um, so Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't mm -hmm. agree with you more. And last but not least, right? You know, there's some days that are not all sunshine and rainbows. There's days that you really need to dig down deep. And really, yeah. you know, harness that tenacity to pull you through. And then there's other days that are absolutely amazing and you want to show gratitude and you want to show love. Dawn Burke, what is your North Star? Ooh, wow. I had to take a deep breath on that one. What keeps me guided? That's why it's the encore. Um, uh, being quiet. I'm not somebody who, when I'm quiet, then I can think. When I am quiet and when I rest, um, I then can be creative and more thoughtful. Um, one of the things that some people know about me, and I've spoken about this, is that at the end of my 20, 20 year run, and I might go back to corporate. I mean, I, I didn't hate it, it was good, but I had a, I had a, I burned out. It was the slow grind. It wasn't like one day I exploded and went into a rubber room. I had a slow grind that physically, mentally, and, 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 and spiritually exhausted me. And when I divorced from corporate, I mean, I, I had a breakdown. You know, I had a breakdown. Right. Um, and a lot of it was because I was filling my days with nothing but noise. Um, so what I have found now is a North Star always starts with, Dawn, be quiet for a while. Take 20 minutes to just sit and think or read. Um, I'm, I don't meditate. I, I don't have the brain power to just do that. But that's when I can really think about the things that are purposeful to me and the things that are going to be most effective. So uh, that's kind of a bastardized version of a North Star, but that's how I kind of get to my North Star. I love it. Dawn mm -hmm. Burke, thank you for spending time with me today. Certainly greatly appreciate you and all the work that you do. And I'm, I'm really happy that we connected and hopefully we can continue this conversation and oh relationship. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Dawn, where can folks yep. find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more? All right, go to LinkedIn. It's Dawn Burke. If you have trouble with Dawn, finding a Dawn Burke, then type in my maiden name. I'm going to spell it because it's the weirdest one ever. H, R is in Roger, D is in David, L is in Larry, I is in Ivy, C is in Cat, A is in Apple. That's Herdlicka. You heard here, folks. So LinkedIn, um, you can connect with me on Instagram, um, DH Burke, uh, Twitter, uh, uh, D. H. Burke, um, my blog post, Dawn H. Burke, um, but I think you can find all of those um, on LinkedIn. I had a lot of conference uh, gigs. Those are done for now, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do also write on a, a blog, a, a very popular one. I'm a contributor to Fistful we'll to of Talent. Fistful of Talent. So there's, a there's a little, of talent. A, little, um, a little taste of where you can find me. Awesome. Dawn Burke, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Adam. I mean, this has been great. I've been looking forward to it. I appreciate you inviting me on. Awesome. And to everyone listening at home, thank you, or in the car, or wherever you may be on your jog or meditating. No one meditates to me, but wherever you are, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media channels. Check out the website, www.thepodcast.com. Remember, take your online, offline. Take care, wash your hands, and look out for your fellow man. And have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com. <laughs>